bringing hope to many around the globe, transforming lives into legacies. Live in Word with Pastor Mensah Otobiel. And now, today's word. Well, I'm doing part two of my message, which I started last Sunday, on gifts and calling. Gifts and calling. Uh, God gives us gifts and God calls us. Gifts and calling lie at the center of every leadership vocation. For us to grow in leadership, as our theme is this year, we have to discover our gifts and we have to discover our calling. And uh, we've looked at the fact that our gifts are not the same and that the way God calls us is also not the same. And today we're going to push a little further from where we let off, left off the last time. Kindly go with me in your Bibles to the book of 1 Samuel chapter 10 verses 9 to 13. And we're going to examine a very um, important aspect of gifts and callings um, that will help you to discern when you're truly receiving something that is a gift or a calling or is just something that is just happening for a moment. First Samuel chapter 10, verses 9 to 13. Now, if you know the background of the story, I will just rehearse it a little bit. Uh, Israel has asked for a king, and God uh, tells Samuel to get them a king. And uh, eventually, Saul is picked. And Saul is anointed as king by Samuel. And Samuel tells him that as he leaves his presence, the presence of Samuel, a few things will happen to him. And what we're about to read is one of the things that will happen to him after he leaves Samuel's presence. And I want you to pay attention to the reading. First Samuel chapter 10, verse 9 to 13. So it was when he had turned his back to go from Samuel that God gave him another heart. And all those signs came to pass that day. When they came there to the hill, there was a group of prophets to meet him. Then the Spirit of God came upon him, and he prophesied among them. And it happened when all who knew him formerly saw that he indeed prophesied among the prophets, that the people said to one another, What is this that has come upon the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? Then a man from there answered and said, But who is your father? Therefore it became a proverb, Is Saul also among the prophets? And when he had finished prophesying, he went to the high places, or to the high place. Amen. The people answered, Is Saul among the prophets? It's a very interesting Questing is Saul among the prophets because they saw him doing something that they had never seen him before doing. And, and so they were wondering, what's going on? Is Saul among the prophets? Now you can substitute the word prophet for lawyers, doctors, footballers, bankers, 
fashion designers, chefs, journalists. It's all among the bankers. It's all among the lawyers. It's all among the fashion designers. Because although this is a spiritual experience, its application goes wider in our lives. It's all amongst the prophets. One of these days, somebody is going to ask you, are you also a lawyer? Are you also a footballer? Are you also a chef? Are you also uh, whatever you have not been before? Is Saul also among the prophet? Now, I want you to note the first question they ask, and the first question they ask before they even ask, is Saul among the prophets, is what has come upon the son of Kish? Now, Saul's father's name was Kish. So they said, what, what has come over him? What has come over this man? We know him as, as a, a person who works with, in his father's business. He's actually going to look for donkeys. What has come over him? Is he among the prophets? Is it the real thing? Is this Saul's calling? Is Saul supposed to be a prophet? Because remember, he has just been anointed king, and now he's prophesying. Is he supposed to change from king to prophet? What's going on? And it happens in the process of discovering what God has called us to be or what our gifts are. There are three things to watch out for, and in all these three, they can influence you sometimes to choose a path that God has not called you into. First is events. Events. Events is when you experience a one-time happening. When something happens to you one time. It's a one-time happening. This is a very important question to address when you seek to operate in your gifts. How do you tell whether an experience you've had signifies a full-time vocation or a one-time event? For Saul, how is he going to tell whether this is just a one-time I'm supposed to prophesy or I'm supposed to do it for the rest of my life? Now, many times we go through events where something comes over us. And if we are not careful, we can make it a full-time assignment. Sometimes parents call their children by a profession simply because of a one-time event in their lives. So a child has one dream that calls, comes true, and we call him a prophet or a pastor. A child calls one goal at the school march, and we call him a soccer star. A child performs well in one subject and we confer a profession on him or her. And similar things happen to each one of us. What one moment in our life, something happens and somebody says, oh, you are that. You sing well one day, oh, you're going to be a singer. Is Saul supposed to be a prophet or a king? But he's prophesying. It's a one-time event. You have to be able to discern when some things happen in your life and they are just one-time 
events. They are not your calling and they are not your profession. But it happens. The thing, other thing you have to watch out for is associations when you are influenced by group action. After meeting Samuel, Saul met a group of prophets. And in the company of the group, he began to act like the group. He is among prophets, so he's behaving like a prophet. Sometimes the group you are in can influence your action. So you have to ask yourself, is it group action or is it personal? When you are outside the group, would you still function that way? Or you only function that way when you are in a group? When your family has a history with a profession or an action, there will be pressure on you to act one way or the other. Many have entered ministry or a profession because of group thinking. Many have followed their parents, their siblings, and other relations into professions and have brought them deep dissatisfaction. Why is Saul prophesying? Because he's met a group that is prophesying. There's power in groups. And sometimes you can be in a group, and it can be a family group, it can be a school group, where everybody is following one direction. And you find yourself following that direction and probably doing it even well. But outside of the group, you're not able to function. But once you are in that group, you almost function like everybody in that group. Is it a gift? Is it a calling? Is it one time or is it a lifetime? Is Saul supposed to be a prophet or a king? He's had a great experience. Is it just supposed to be one time or lifetime? The third thing to watch out for is atmospheres. Atmospheres is when your environment moves you to act in a certain way. In the atmosphere of the prophetic, Saul began to prophesy. He did not have a gift. He did not have a calling. But he started operating in an atmosphere. And it actually it happened to him again in 1 Samuel chapter 19 when he was pursuing uh, David and came to Naoth in Ramah about the same place. And he prophesied again. It looks like when he gets into those atmospheres, something hits him when he leaves it, then it leaves him. Atmospheres are very powerful influences. Even for people who say they are called, currently in Ghana, there is an atmosphere of prophetism. I will not call it prophetic because it is not prophetic. It's prophetism and an atmosphere of bishopism. And if you are not careful for, for pastors, and I want pastors to listen to me very carefully. If you are not careful, you would flow in that atmosphere. And when the cloud passes, you are empty. Because it's not your gifting and it's not your calling. It's an atmosphere, it's a group activity, and you are participating in it. Sometimes even in school, you know, uh, things happen. Everybody's choosing a subject. Not too long ago, everybody going to university was studying human resources, whatever they thought that meant. Human resource, human resource, human resource. And they flood the market with human resource. There are, there are so many human resource graduates with no resource. <laughs> what was happening? Was it their calling? No, it was an atmosphere. It was a group thing. 
and they participated. It's called a bandwagon effect sometimes. I remember when Central, uh, our church started Central University, everybody was starting a university. And then after they start a university, the cloud passes. And if it's not your calling, it becomes very difficult to manage it because you participated in a group activity in an atmosphere and it is not your genuine calling. And that's why sometimes people choose professions and study in school to become a lawyer and right after graduation, never law. Or people study medicine and never practice it. Or people st study some subject and never practice it. Why? Because they were doing what Saul was doing. They found a company of people doing something in an atmosphere. They participated. But to the credit of Saul, he never stopped there. He never said, well, I've been called a king, but I think uh, with what has happened now, I think I'm going to be a prophet. The Bible says right after that, he left and moved on to the high place. His calling is king, and he stayed in his calling, although he didn't function too well there. But at least he knew the wisdom to know this is a one-time event. Listen to me. Each one of us will shine one time in doing something. You know, one time you are called to sing and you start singing and your voice soars and everyone says, oh, you have a gift. Is that true? And especially to parents, be careful the labels you put on your children. Be very careful. Just because your child did something brilliant today doesn't mean that's what they're going to do for life. It doesn't mean so. And if you're not careful very early, you shepherd your children into frustration because they are stars shown one time. So in discovering your gift and calling, you have to determine, is this a one-time activity or a lifetime activity? Is it happening because of the group I'm in or this is really something I'm called to do? Is it just an atmosphere that makes it easy for things to happen or this is what God has called me to do? So let's learn how to handle this kind of external stimulus or external pressure for us to conform to something we are not. And we're going to learn from John the Baptist and Peter the Apostle. John chapter 1, verse 19 to 23. It's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. I have several favorite. This is one of them. Because if you're going to really be somebody... In life, you, you, this, this passage is so important. John chapter 1, 19 to 23. And then we'll later read Acts 3, verse 6. Two important passages. John chapter 1, 19 to 23 says, Now this is the testimony of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. And they said to him, who are you and what have, what that we may give an answer to those who sent us? What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. I just love John the Baptist. 
Now, Acts chapter 3. Peter, at the gate called Beautiful, a man is asking him for money. Peter answers, Acts 3 verse 6. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Note, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have. I do not have, but what I do have, I give you. If you're going to be a great, significant, consequential leader or person in life, you have to be authentic. Authenticity. You have to learn to be real to yourself and be real to others. To be authentic is to know that you are the only you in this world. No one can be you and you cannot be anyone else. Enduring leadership is based on authenticity. That was what Saul was dealing with when he prophesied. Is he an authentic prophet or an atmospheric prophet? There are atmospheric doctors atmospheric lawyers have you noticed that people can sit in the same class go to law school qualify sometimes get good grades and afterwards they come out they have no cases and their mates are getting all the cases or they all come through medical school and afterwards he's killing all his patients did he learn yes He's just an atmospheric doctor. There are atmospheric pastors. There are atmospheric footballers. There are atmospheric fashion designers. Atmospheric artists. Atmospheric musicians. Atmospheric lawyers. An atmosphere moved them, but there was nothing in them. Now people are trying to move John. Pressure. Atmosphere. Because John is a very essential person in Jewish history for a, a certain period in Jewish history. Nobody has come up as a prophet. And John comes up and everybody recognizes John as a prophet. It's called the intertestament period from the time of the Old Testament ending to now approximately about 400 years. No real prophet has come up unto John. So everybody says, wow, he must be the one. He must be the one. So they come to John. Are you Christ? Believe you me. If you don't know who you are, you say, yeah, I was waiting for you to come to that conclusion yourself. He says, I'm not. I am not. I am not. And then he said, I am. I am not. I am not. I am not. I am. So what is authenticity? Is to know who you are not. And I've made this point many times. Know who you are not. A common mistake people make as they grow into leadership is they settle into something too early or they pick too early. Very early in life they decide, I am. But you have to decide very early whom you are not. 
research shows that many child prodigies have difficulty sustaining their talent as they grow older. When you go on YouTube, you have all these child prodigies who are able to do mathematics and calculate numbers at three years and play this at two years and play that at five years. It has been tracked. People have tracked those exceptional performers very early in life. Everybody says, oh, he's a musician. He's a mathematician. They settled you at three years. They've settled you. 90% of them don't end up achieving anything significant in life. 90% child musicians. There will always be a once in a while a Mozart, but for every Mozart, there are Zomas that nobody knows. <laughs> you have to know whom you are not. Your father says, oh, you are a lawyer, you are a doctor, oh, you are an engineer, you are an architect. All of us, they told us something like that. You have to know whom you are not. John knew whom he was not. Secondly, you have to know who you are. That is your strength. John identified himself with his calling and mission. I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. He was called to be a voice in the wilderness, a lone voice, not a popular voice, but a lone voice. In John chapter 3 verse 30, when John was told about the growth of Jesus' ministry, he replied, he must increase, I must decrease. This is a person who really knows his mission in life. Know whom you are not, know whom you are. And I, I would venture to say, majority of what people say you are, you are not. Because John answered three times, I am not, I am not, I am not. Then they left the question to him, who, do you, who are you? Then he says, I am. In other words, he had to refuse false identities before he could embrace positive identity. Many of us have embraced false missions. And when you're on a false mission, you go and go and go and go and arrive nowhere. Your life becomes a frustration. Somebody told you, you are beautiful. You are beautiful. One day you'll be a model. So since you are three years old, you've been walking like that, like a model, like a model, like a model. Now you are 45, you're still trying to work like a mother. Get it out of your head. It is atmospheric. Get real. You are not a model. Let it settle. You are just you. Know whom you are not, know whom you are. There are people who start very early, people call them scholar. Oh, he's a scholar. Three years, how do you know? So you start coming up with big words and 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 big words. And, big words. and now you are grown up when you speak English, nobody understands because you're going to do big words. Get it out of your brain. You're not a scholar, you're just a nice carpenter. Just accept it. Know whom you are not, know whom you are. Know what you don't have. 
know what you don't have. So Peter says, silver and gold I don't have. If you're going to be authentic, you have to know what you don't have. You will never have everything that everyone has. You'll never have everything that you like. Now, there are two ways to look at what you don't have. First is what you don't have, but you need to acquire. You don't have it, but you need it. Now, if you don't have it and you need it, then you have to get it. Now, how do you determine, I don't have it, but I need it? Is it a requirement for a role that you are in? Does it limit your effectiveness? Is it required and you don't have it? Then you have to work to develop it in your life. For example, like passing a required subject to gain access. You are not mathematical, but you must pass mathematics to get university access. Even if your brain cannot calculate numbers, you must have it. Now, you may not use it for the rest of your life, but at a certain point, you don't have it, but you must have it to gain a certain access into your destiny. So there are things you don't have that you must have because it's required. Or you get promoted to a position and there are skills you don't have, you must acquire them. When I started, I founded the Accra Symphony Orchestra. I started taking music courses. I've studied music for your information. Every role I've taken in life, if it challenges me and I don't have what is required, I take a course in it. I study it. Because I don't want to be an ignorant leader. I don't want to be an ignorant leader. I don't believe in titles with no substance. Positions with no substance. If you're put in that position, you must function. So you must start studying. And there are all kinds of things I've studied because of positions I've occupied in life. I don't have it, but I need it. So you have to know what you don't have, but do you need to acquire it? Then there is what you don't have and you don't need it. You can live without it. Now Peter says, silver and gold have I none. Did he need money? No. Why? Because for the assignment in front of him, money was not the answer. He had the name of Jesus. So there are things you don't have, but you don't need to really worry yourself about it because it doesn't matter. You don't need it. You're never going to need it for any assignment. So for those things, don't bother yourself. But the things you don't have, which you need, they are critical for where you are, you must seek to acquire it. Things you don't have, but you don't need them, leave them alone. Or maybe you can later on get somebody to help you with it, or you can employ somebody to supply that to you. I don't need to be the best accountant. I can hire an accountant. I don't need to be the best lawyer. I can get a lawyer to do my law cases for me. But if I need it, if I was all of a sudden appointed head of a law institution, I have to study law. Because I have to make decisions relation to law, so I have to study law. But if I'm just a pastor, I don't have to study law because I don't need it. So know what you don't need, but the things you don't need, there are things you don't need that you need, and there are things you don't need that you don't need. All right. Then know what you have. Know what you have. Peter says, such as I have, such as I have. If there's any statement you must learn to repeat constantly, such as I have, such as I have, such as I have. What do you have? Everybody has something. Everybody has something.
Thank you for listening to Living Word. To interact with Pastor Mensah Otebil, like his page on Facebook. Follow him on Twitter at Mensah Otebil. Email otebil at centralgospel.com or call plus 233-302-688-000.